Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Product. You'll notice our introduction is a little bit different today because I'm actually not here with Derek. He's off and about working on his new things. Uh, I'm actually here today uh, with someone a bit different. Uh, I'm here with Don Goodman-Wilson, who was actually the first engineering hire over at Screen Hero back in the day. And I wanted to chat with him about what that experience was like and get the, the sort of inside story. So welcome, Don. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, I'm glad that you could be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I could be here too, Ben. Cool. So uh, did I get that right, that you were the first engineering hire? Or were you the first hire, period? I was, I was the first hire, period. There were really only three hires ever made at, at Screen Hero. So I was the first. The second was our designer, uh, Pavel Machek. And the third was uh, an engineer named uh, Jibby Koldenhoff. Do you remember what your, your hire date was, roughly? My hire date was roughly April or May of 2013. Uh, at the time, the company had just finished uh, Y Combinator and was looking to grow the team. They had uh, a product in public beta for Windows and uh, Mac, and they needed engineering help. There were four founders to, to Screen Hero, Jay, Faraz, Vishal, and Jason. Um, but even with, with four of them, there was, there was so much more than, than they could manage on their own. Essentially, my, my title when I was hired was Bandwidth, which was great because I got to work on basically anything that I, I wanted to inside of the, the, the engineering part of the product. Interesting. So this, this is referring to like the bandwidth the client used or is it like giving other people bandwidth? Oh, giving other people bandwidth. Got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. How'd you get hired, by the way? Why were you the, the right guy for this? At the time, I had sent out in some form or other several hundred applications. I was living in Colorado. I was very interested in breaking into the startup scene in Silicon Valley. And one of the crazy things that I did was that at the time, AngelList had a, a page where people or companies could list jobs, and they had sort of this one-click application process. It struck me as super dodgy, but, you know, what the heck. The founders had forgotten that they'd even turned that feature on for their AngelList page, in fact, and did not expect to see anything come through on it. But but when it did, um, well, it caught their attention. I got very lucky in a couple of respects uh, in that at the time I was doing embedded C uh, engineering. And so I was doing a lot of a lot of very bare metal C, lots of bitwise operations, uh, um, you know, turning pins on and off on a microcontroller. Their engineering exercise was essentially to write a value to a Redis cache using their binary protocol, which was just a bunch of bit flipping in Python, basically. Um, so uh, I was very well prepared for that that engineering interview and managed to, to blow them away, apparently, simply because it was literally just things that were already on my mind. But but that said, you know, it was a, it was a good culture fit for the team, and that was pretty apparent from from the interview both ways. The other thing that worked in my favor uh, is Jay, the the founder and CEO, um, holds a doctorate, um, and he saw that I also hold a doctorate, um, and he recognized the amount of work and dedication that goes into achieving one of those things, and, and he was very explicit with me at the time of hiring that that was one of the reasons why. So that signaled to him certain things about about my work ethic. In some sense, it was it was uh, definitely a degree of a privilege. And virtue of holding a, a doctorate that uh, that helped me land that job, but I think that's pretty pretty unusual for employers in the valley, especially to even be looking for that sort of thing. What was the doctorate in, or is it in? 
philosophy. Mm. <laughs> All right. That's exactly <laughs> what I would, would imagine for someone who's going to be doing bitwise operations. Yeah, go, go A lot of logic. Um, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of logic. There's a lot of graph theory, um, a lot of uh, Bayesian statistics. Hmm. So when you joined the company, were you just excited to be breaking into the scene or were there things about Screen Hero in particular that got you like really excited? Um, well, at first I was very excited to be breaking with the screen, but as soon as I was, you know, you know told what the engineering challenges were with the product, I, I, I stayed very excited. And screen Hero has um, had uh, a lot of very low-level C code and much of its guts were written in C++, uh, which are things that excite me very readily. I love systems programming, um, and this was a chance to really get familiar with stuff I'd never done before, right? So I'd tried twice in the past to learn Objective-C, um, and I was forced to learn Objective-C to take this job, and I think I succeeded more or less. Um, you know, but I got to know a lot about the, or there's the opportunity for me to get to know a lot about, um, you know, the mock kernel and the, the underpinnings of the USB subsystem uh, in particular. Um, and I found that very exciting. I remember you and I had some interesting conversations about mouse acceleration. Yes, yes. That was one of the, the first problems that needed to be solved was to understand how Mac OS handles, how it handles mouse acceleration, right? And how to emulate that. Yeah, that was that was fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're, you're there in April of 2013. Uh, it looks like the Mac and Windows client had like just launched. Those are pretty pretty recently out what was this that spring and summer like that spring and summer were were very frantic the products that we had out functioned but barely um and there's there's a lot of work to do in two areas in particular the first was harmonizing the two code bases so when i joined they were two almost completely independent code bases um and so one of the first things that that we did um and, and this was a lot of fun was we had native desktop applications for, for both Mac and Windows. And we replaced the UI with uh, with a web view and rendered HTML. And it was all it was all very custom. Electron didn't exist at the time. Phone gap was a brand new concept. Um, and so we built a lot of that ourselves very bespoke to do what we needed. Um, and that allowed us actually two things. One we could we could do the user interface in HTML and that was portable across both clients. Um, and two, at the same time, it allowed us to move most of the guts into, into C++, right? Leaving C-sharp and Objective-C is, is just glue layers between the HTML and, the, and the, the core logic. So that was one big effort. Another big effort was reliability and latency, image quality, which was something that uh, Faraz largely worked on. Um, but that was, that was also exciting stuff. And then, and then building a billing system on top of that. Um, which is where I really ended up getting my feet wet. It's 2013, right? So there's no Stripe, I guess, at this point? Stripe Stripe existed. Okay. Um, I think Stripe had been around for a couple of years at that point. Oh, okay. um, and so, yeah, we, we integrated with Stripe. Um, but that was my first time ever doing any sort of web application programming. So I had to wrap my head around the idea that you have code that sits on a server and that serves web pages and and responds to javascript which runs in the client like it took me a little while to figure out where the javascript runs um, 
Um, and that there's two computers involved in this transaction, which led me down the path of, I didn't even really realize what I was doing, but I ended up building a single page application using reactive.js on the front end and um, uh, grape on the back end, which is a, a Ruby rack web framework for building APIs. The company is growing quickly at this point, I imagine? Depends on what you mean by growth, right? So <laughs> at our peak, we were seven people. I mean, in terms of adoption, right. like the product adoption. Yeah, in terms of product adoption, it was it was it was growing reasonably quickly. And once we got the billing working, which was a bit of a miracle, uh, and we discovered people who were actually willing to pay for it, uh, that's when things started looking really nice. Actually, and that we had we had a lot of runway. Uh, we were able to generate a lot of runway with with uh, with just charging for it. Uh, I don't remember how fast we were. Growing. I don't have those numbers in front of me in terms of customer usage, but that was that was the big business challenge for us at the moment. Actually, was like we had we had a good product, we kind of had product market fit, but we still weren't sure who our market was. We were still marketing the product as a general purpose screen sharing, well, not screen sharing, but um, uh, we always struggled to find the right word for it too. Um, but a, a interactive computer sharing tool. Um, and we spent a lot of time focused on like finding the right wording for that. We did not figuring out how to market that to the broadest possible audience uh, that would be interested in it. That didn't happen. We found that re- there, there's a thing, remote pair programming. Remote pair programmers were extremely interested in our product. And so once once we finally figured that out, we, we tried to dial in there. Right, But that took like most of the summer to, to sort through. Interesting. So this was like summer of 2013 before you really figured out who who wanted it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that sounds about right. I mean, before that, you know, our marketing materials were were extremely broad. So there there is a video it may still be floating around on YouTube um, demonstrating how you could use it to play Farmville together, for example. <laughs> right? Or Huge we had a testimonial from for one comp- uh, one couple who used it to. Um, uh, watched movies together while they were uh, on the road apart from each other, um, which, which was which was awfully adorable. But yeah, it turned out remote pair programming was where it was at. Did the vision for the product change a lot once you realized that was the market? Curiously, not so much. I mean, we, we began to focus some of our engineering around um, ensuring the text and IDEs looked good. Right, um, and and sort of tuning our video codec for for that sort of thing. But by and large, that particular demographic didn't have actually a, a huge impact on the product, but just a huge impact on the way that we talked about the product uh, and who we presented the product to, who we would pitch the product to. Um, I think a, the larger impact on the product as a whole was discovering that it wasn't just individuals using it with other individuals, but that this is something that people wanted to use in an organized team setting. And the original UI was set up sort of like, um, sort of like ICQ, right? I've got my, my list of, of folks I like to chat with. Um, and I can just go, you know, hit a button next to them and start a screen sharing session. Um, and it wasn't until much, much later about the same time that we discovered most of our users were organized in the teams um, and they didn't just want an arbitrary list of people. They're, they wanted their team to show up automatically, right? So when they we, we needed, um, you know, new endpoints for onboarding entire teams, 
uh, and, and managing team membership and managing team billing, right? So, so the whole billing system, again, was built with the, the idea that it was just one person paying for themselves. Um, and that started getting complaints about uh, from people who are tired of expensing their Screen Hero uh, bill every month. So we, you know, needed to build centralized management tools, um, which required a fairly significant rethinking of the of the UI that never really quite shook out. I think mm-hmm. this is funny to hear because we started with Teams only, and we're just constantly getting like, "I want to use it as a freelancer. I want to use it to teach my brother to write code." Like individuals were like always asking for it, and so we ended up going the other direction, but also redoing a bunch of work. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's quite tricky to support both scenarios, it turns out. Yeah, we originally didn't want to just to avoid the complexity, but it just eventually felt like we're, we were just saying no to too many people. And it's like, well, what could we hack together that would let us kind of support both of these use cases? And uh, we'll be paying that penalty for a long time. Worth it, but you know, it's yeah. a lot of extra complexity <laughs> for sure. I hear you there. And then uh, outside contractors were something we also needed to take into account, right? So dialing in the building model that was quite tough i don't think any of us were ever fully satisfied with the way that it worked i'm not even sure i can remember the way that it worked it was uh, it was per seat somehow it, there was a there was a free tier but you could only have like so many people on your buddy list um and then there was a paid tier I'm trying to remember how it worked i think in the actually i think in the end we we ended up you had to one person on one end of the connection had to be a paying customer it was just weird it represented the struggle internally between those of us who thought, well, you know, we should we should have a free tier, right? As a list leader, people excited, and others on the team who thought, well, no, nobody's ever going to jump over the penny gap. We need to we need to charge for all tiers, even if it's just a nominal amount. Um, and we never did quite figure out, I think, what that should look like or which side won. Mm, gotcha. What you announced 1.0 and as part of that announced paid plans August of 2014. And then uh, five months later, the acquisition was announced by Slack. So you'd be forgiven for not having figured out your pricing model (laughs) that quickly. (laughs) So when we launched Screen Hero 1.0 in August of 2014, acquisitions were not on our mind. Uh, We felt pretty good about where things were. Uh, the numbers looked very good for the first month. Uh, our runway was essentially extending indefinitely ahead of us, which was great. Uh, we felt uh, very well positioned with the product, like we had good product market fit. And then Atlassian invited us to Atlassian Summit 2014 in September. It was our first um, our first conference. Our first, no, it's not a conference, our first professional expo. Anyway, they gave us a very small booth. We sat at the very back. We had a great time talking with our neighbors. We collected T-shirts. We brought out donuts uh, to get people to come to our booth. We gave out coupons. Nobody ever used any of the coupons. Actually, I can remember very clearly how many sales we got as a result of that conference. Uh, zero. Not at all. Um, we picked up no clients. Um, but on the second day, they started showering us with attention. And by they, I mean the uh, executive team of Atlassian in a way that was really overly conspicuous. Um, everybody at the conference saw exactly what was going on when the two co-founders come to talk with us and their, their uh, you know, VP for product come and talk with us. And 
pretty soon rumor had gotten around that Atlassian was going to try to acquire us, um, which is in fact what, what was happening there. And it gave us pause, right? Like we began to think, well, if Atlassian is interested in us, there must be a reason for it. What, what, is, what does this mean, right? Let's go back and look again at these numbers. Let's go back and look again at the product and think about seriously what you know the screen hero five years from now looks like. And what had occurred to us was we had just started using Slack. Slack had just launched earlier that year, I think, um, and we'd moved from, from HipChat to Slack. Um, and we're liking it quite a lot. And we'd also just added chatting features to, to Screen Hero as well. Um, and in fact, more and more people were clamoring for more and more capabilities in the chat because apparently this was a very important part of a folks workflow. We had audio, so people could talk during a, a screen share, um, but chat was becoming increasingly important. And the question that, that we had, the question that we found for ourselves was, whether we could build chat fast enough to become a business communications platform of choice or whether somebody like Slack who already had the chat dialed in was going to add screen sharing as a feature um, and, and, and beat us there. Um, and we figured, well, they're probably going to build um, the screen sharing faster than we could build the chat. What had happened was this. We actually approached Slack. We'd had conversations with them in the past, just friendly chats, um, and a couple of other people too. And we're just like, well, look, Atlassian's interested. You know, we should just put ourselves out there. What do you think about it? Um, and it took about three months of negotiation. Um, but in the end, uh, Slack actually made us an offer, um, as history has shown, and we, we took it. Um, what was nice about this is that since there were only at this point there were only six of us, we had, we had let go of, of one of the other engineers. The decision making around this was was very egalitarian, I think, and um, that you know I felt very involved at every level of the of the decision around this, um, which, which was quite nice. Um, but yeah, so we had to make that decision about do we try to compete essentially with Slack and with HipChat. Uh, or do we do we become part of Slack or HipChat uh, in the hopes that we can we can get where we want to go much faster? It, there seems to be an assumption baked into this conversation, which is like someone's going to get all of the market. Like who's going to be the platform? Well, I guess for us the question was somebody's probably going to get our market, <laughs> or or do we think we could beat them to that? Right? Um, and, and in our mind, it felt like. Slack had a significant lead over us uh, in terms of just the time that they've had to develop things. So they had much, I mean, there were at that point like 50 people, we were just six. Um, and they had engineering effort that they could they could throw at this. Atlassian demonstrated this. Like when we were talking with them, they just opened their Austin office, which was at the time meant to be explicitly for uh, HipChat, right? So they were moving all of their HipChat engineers into this Austin office and they were throwing a lot, a lot of time and money into it what we found out later too is that they were they were building uh video chat and screen sharing into hip chat at the time uh, they thought they could do it faster if they hired us which which was fair um but they ended up launching it not soon after the announcement with slack i think um you, they built it you know with webrtc off-the-shelf components so there's there's nothing 
it's relatively easy to build applications with WebRTC if you're not trying to do anything particularly special. So it, it functioned, but it didn't function great. But it would only have been a matter of time, I think. I think for us, it wasn't a matter of, of which of these two technologies was, or which of these two companies was going to win the market, so much as who's the best partner for us to work with to achieve our goals with Screen Hero? Or do we attempt to go it alone, right? Uh, and in the end, we felt like Slack was in the best position uh, to be the right partner to to grow Screen Hero into a product um, you know, that would reach a, a wider audience and it would have the chat that we were looking for uh, to add to it um, and to just generally provide the best overall business communication experience. That's nice to hear that you felt like you were very involved in the discussion in that process. Yeah, I've, I've come to realize much later uh, in my career in Silicon Valley just how unusual and rare that is. It's, it's quite funny, actually, for a company that was building a remote working tool um, we all worked out of the same room as you do with a with an early stage startup. And so, I mean, you just couldn't have a private conversation if you wanted to. So we just had all of our conversations in public. Um, and it actually felt incredibly inclusive. Um, and one of our goals with Screen Hero was to try to create that feeling, you know, while working remotely. Hmm. And so if it had been your decision, would you were you on board? You, you wanted to uh, be acquired by Slack? Yeah, in the end, I was I was one hundred percent in favor of this. It, it felt like a better cultural fit. It felt like that the resources that we needed were more likely to be there, um, and that the the product itself, you know, we were we were believers in the product already, um, and to be able to combine those two things just felt very right. Hmm. Okay, so that's January twenty fifteen. Blog post goes up. It actually includes the phrase "incredible journey." Uh, I guess this is before it's become a cliche. <laughs> I didn't write that. I didn't you know, write that. I think I think it was it was new at the time. Um, <laughs> what was the that next phase like? So the next phase, of course, is um, moving over to the Slack offices, which at the time were two blocks away. So we literally just carried everything over by hand. Never felt so San Francisco as I did walking down third. Uh, with an iMac in my in my arms, right? That was weird. Uh, so so then the, the next thing to do is to integrate into into Slack and uh, build a plan around how that's going to look um, and make this work on a number of different levels, right? So you know operations at Slack were done very differently as we did them at, at Screen Hero, um, and Jason spent a lot of time like rationalizing and harmonizing these things. You know, we had our own servers that were already standing up that needed to sort of remain standing, but we needed to, you know, move them into whatever infrastructure they were using. Um, and then sit down and look really closely at the Mac client. At the time, there was no Windows Slack client, only a Mac client. Uh, but they were putting together a team to build a Windows client. Um and to understand like what it would take to integrate Screen Hero into it. And so the first couple of months were largely very heads down, learning the code base and building out uh, a first prototype for how that would look. Um, it was compounded by the fact that most Slack users at the time, and it's probably not true now, but, but it's still somewhat true, access Slack over the web. Right, and so where Screen Hero had an extremely custom um, 
AV stack built largely in C. Uh, that just generally wasn't an option for us on the web. We had to use stock web RTC uh, for for compatibility. And so there are a lot of decisions that we had to make, you know, to what degree do we want to support the web client? To what degree are we willing to build, um, you know, this custom stuff directly into the, the Mac uh, desktop app? And at the time, the Mac desktop app was a phone gap app, right? So everything is being rendered in HTML. There's uh, a lot of the JavaScript code base from the web was also being utilized there, but it gave us the opportunity to build um, you know, a bunch of stuff directly into the, the native code as well. We built the first prototype and it worked. It worked reasonably well, but we built it almost entirely from scratch uh, because the architecture of Screen Hero and the architecture of a phone cap app are not super compatible. Um, it also gave us the opportunity to, to improve some of the technology. So Screen Hero was prone to crashing. Like that's just a thing that happened periodically. Um, and uh, we had to figure out, you know, how to keep the Slack Mac desktop app from crashing. Um, and so we learned about a, a number of technologies whose name I forget now that, that Mac provides for isolating processes and ensuring that uh, things that crash, you know, remain isolated and so forth. Um, the other thing that came up during this time, too, is that Screen Hero used a handful of private APIs. Um, and Screen Hero used a lot of stuff that wasn't private, it was public, but isn't allowed in a sandboxed app. Um, Slack is distributed over the Mac App Store, and so those apps have to be sandboxed, and so further discussions centered around, you know, to what degree are we willing to fork the code base to have a sandboxed version and a non-sandboxed version, because uh, there is also one that you could just download from the website. Um, and, and have uh, different degrees of, of features that you know exist between them. Um, and again, in the end, we had to give up on, a, on some of the technology that we had built uh, in order to facilitate the, uh, the Mac App Store version of uh, Slack. At the same time that we were rolling out the first prototype, the Windows desktop team came online, um, and it was led by some of the folks who'd helped build Atom at GitHub. Um, and so it was electron based, which was a huge step up from the, the Mac or the, the phone gap version of the, the Mac desktop client. But at that point, there was a huge debate. Uh, to what degree do we build native clients? To what degree do we build portable clients with electron? Of course, electron won, right? Um, as we, we all know, which meant that we had to once again rebuild everything. Right. So where we had stuff that was very, very tailored to phone gap and was taking specific advantage of Mac technologies, then we had to go rebuild it all as uh, node modules, um, right, um, in C that were callable from, from JavaScript. And that required actually fairly significant re-architecting of the prototype that we had built. All of this took about a year, actually, for us to reach this point. And that's actually the point where I left the Screen Hero team internally to pursue adventures and building um what we were calling lib slack which was moving all of the the slack business logic for mobile into a common c library um so that we were working on the, the windows phone version at the time and we had to rewrite all the business logic anyway so the thought was well let's do it in c plus plus and let's do it in a way that we can 
just have one code base. So after that, I, 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 I don't really know exactly what the trajectory of the, the Screen Hero portion of the app looked like. Towards the end of Screen Hero as a standalone company, or, or somewhere, somewhere in there, you had realized you had product market fit with a particular group of people. Like this was a great app for pair programmers. And then when you got acquired by Slack, the technical compromises required seemed to make the app less suitable for that group, perhaps. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's that's quite fair to say, yes. The very raw, unedited way to put this was, it did not occur to us until too late um, that integrating with Slack would require uh, the kinds of compromises that meant literally destroying the product. By the time we had figured that out, it was too late. Like, the deal was done. We could have seen that coming with some foresight. I mean, we're Slack users. We knew it was a phone gap app. Like, we knew it was something that was available on the Mac App Store. Like, none of that, in some sense, was a real surprise to us. But our, our thought was that we could walk in and um, and make changes to these things, right? That because at the time that we were acquired, we were only the second acquisition and we represented like 7% of the company, something like that, 8% of the company, and that we would we would have some say in these things. And that ended up not being the case. On one hand, you could just say it was a total lack of foresight. We didn't think about this very carefully, uh, but we could have seen it coming. Um, on the other hand, we were we were sort of it was culture clash, I think, at the end. Um, a culture clash that was unanticipated on, on their side and, and on our side, um, which was that uh, they had certain expectations for the product that were, that were reasonable, that, you know, for example, it would be distributed through the, the Mac Store, the Mac App Store. Um, and we had expectations that we would be able to maintain the integrity of our product um, that this wasn't just an acquire for us to, you know, come in and, and build, you know, video screen sharing for Slack, but that there is an honest and genuine interest. And there was an honest and genuine interest in integrating the two products in a way that, that made a lot of sense. It wasn't just Slack wanted screen sharing. It's that Slack wanted screen hero, um, as part of the product. Um, uh, but I think, um, as, it took longer and longer for us to integrate with Slack. Uh, there was less and less patience with um, maintaining that degree of integrity uh, of the product, uh, which is fair because it did take us quite some time to even ship the the very first version of, I think it was just audio and video. It wasn't even screen sharing simply because uh, the, the changing code base, uh, the need to, to rewrite a lot of stuff to fit the code base um, and the, the need to overcome a lot of technical debt that we built up in the first product as well, right? So we, we really changed the way the backend worked um, with Slack over Screen Hero in order to build a, a much greater degree of robustness into it. It was very fragile before, frankly. It was So we wanted to do it right the second or third time, right? And so, you know, at the end of this process, we have a product that mostly works Right, but doesn't it, it wasn't screen hero. It wasn't screen hero anymore. Having lost our product market fit, right? Pair programmers were still using screen hero. They were trying to use Slack. It wasn't really working very well because we didn't have interactive screen sharing. It wasn't going to work very well. We found there wasn't a whole lot of interest in the video and audio calling aspect of things either. 
which you know furthered this sort of cycle of well do we do we keep working to maintain the integrity of screen hero or do we try to you know rebuild a different kind of product market fit because we we clearly just lost all of that i think in the end the only thing we could have done right was to continue to pursue product market fit in the new context of of slack there really wasn't a, another option there for us that made any any sense uh, but what that meant was just like well, just giving up on on the idea of, of screen hero as this you know, real-time interactive computer sharing product for for pair programmers. I think too, a lot of us were thinking in the back of our mind when we were first building it. It really felt like, really felt like we were just two steps ahead of everybody else, right? Um, and that we had to move very fast on pain of of slipping, and then somebody comes along from behind and and does it better than we do. Um, what's really funny in hindsight is nobody was chasing us. <laughs> right nobody was building anything even remotely like screen hero um but this this thought continued even into the slack era like well you know even if we end up building something else there's somebody out there somewhere who's who's building a replacement for it that's going to be even better than screen hero and so i think we use that to sort of justify this movement as well right like there's there's clearly market um and, and there's a lot of smart people out there and somebody who's surely working on this I'm, I'm quite glad by the way that tuple is working on this <laughs> thanks um, we, where have you been we <laughs> assuming that you've been around much longer but. yeah i mean that, that this this was the thing that struck me and us when we first started considering this was that it had been four years or so since screen hero had been available and we couldn't find something that was comparable yeah, no, like, not even close. And, and even in the vacuum, even when there wasn't a screen hero, there was no screen hero competitors. Like it didn't seem like anyone was trying to do it, even when it was like almost a completely un unserved market. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a mystery. I guess the the point I wanted to make ultimately is that on, on one hand, it's, it's easy to to say, and I've said this right, that Slack destroyed screen hero. I think its destruction was inevitable in some way, right? Like if we'd continued on our own. Maybe that was our best chance to keep it around, but even then, I think something would have happened along the way. Just, just the context of 2014 was such that it really felt like HipChat was adding audio, video, and screen sharing. Slack wanted to add it to their own. Dropbox had things brewing that never made the light of day. Curiously, Google Hangouts was taking over the world. <laughs> Little did we know uh, what that would amount to. Um, but it felt very dangerous to try to stick it out on our own. It felt like we really needed to join forces with somebody. That, that's interesting to me. Having basically reached sustainable profitability after a month or so of having paid plans uh, and targeting a niche that it didn't seem like was being targeted by other people, the feeling was, we're in danger. Someone's going someone's gonna to kill us. The feeling was or was not? No, it, it's interesting that the feeling was that. Oh yeah. The, oh, for for Screen Hero. Yeah. No, that was that was very much the feeling. And in retrospect, it's very difficult to say where it came from. But at the time, it felt very, very real. Like if we did not move fast enough, if we did not find the right allies, if we did not secure our, our revenue sources, uh, it was all going to just fall apart on us. One thing that I have said and think still actually is that when Slack did take uh, Screen Hero on. I think the compromises that you ended up having to make were reasonable and rational compromises. 
you had an app that was a, a hit with pair programmers, but Slack was not trying to make an app for pair programmers. Like they wanted generally useful screen control and such for most most people, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think that's exactly right. Um, and I think having a tool that worked well for pair programmers was a bonus. But that's why we started with audio and video first when we were doing the integration. Um, one because it's just as a baseline much easier to get going. Um, it's it's just less complex. Uh, but two, that's clearly you know what the what the market wanted. Um, and on top of that, that's what Screen Hero users wanted as well. Like we didn't have audio at first, for example. Really? Um, we no didn't have audio, audio when I joined. In the beginning? No audio. Wow. No, 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 no. We had we had we had a crappy chat window and no audio. Um, and people just call each other up on a phone and uh, and, and talk while pairing over Screen Hero. So we finally added audio, and uh, we were actually in the process of adding video to Screen Hero when that was a feature. I don't think that was ever released. So we figured, well, okay, we were going to build these things anyway, the audio and video and so forth, because our own users wanted it. So, you know, that seems like a fine place to start while Screen Hero itself is still alive. And we're trying to get these things integrated because, I mean, we we want and need them anyway. Yeah, but it just turned out, surprise, surprise, that pair programmers are such a small, remote pair programmers are such a small part of Slack's customer base that that was not, that was not, something that ended up working out i think i think there was a sense at the beginning that it, that it was that um the idea that you know slack is a collaboration tool and this includes so so the one acquisition that they'd made ahead of us was a company called pages spaces oh hans if you're listening to this you're going to kill me and i'm so sorry that i can't remember the name of your company but it was a generic word it's your fault um but it was essentially like um uh dropbox paper right it was a product where you could collaboratively edit a, a text document um and they built that feature directly into screen here they built that or sorry into slack uh, they built that into slack like two or three times in fact um before giving up on the feature entirely but i think the idea the vision originally was let's let's create an environment where people can collaborate not just by talking to each other but actually directly collaborate on their work through a suite of collaborative editing tools, including collaborative screen sharing, right? Um, but that just turned out not to be a thing that people wanted. Yeah. So this kind of brings us nicely to the the latest development here, which is I think you've seen that um, Slack announced recently that as like within a matter of days, they're just removing remote control entirely from Slack calls. Did that? Have you seen that? Yeah, I have seen that. It's okay. it's heartbreaking. It's it's the it's the final of several deaths of Screen Hero. Yeah, I was curious what that that stirred up for you. Well, seeing as how much I use that feature, um, <laughs> which is not at all, it's emotionally difficult. But from a practical level, I, I suppose it makes sense. Even where I work now, the last couple of companies where I worked, it was a surprise to people that you could even do video calling in Slack. Um, the default is Zoom, in fact, um, rather than the, the stuff that's built in. So my guess is, you know, usage numbers are, are down on everything. Um, the complexity of maintaining that code is quite low. None of the original Screen Hero employees are in Slack anymore. Um, and haven't been for a while. In fact, uh, the, the team that remains is, is extremely capable and extremely competent, don't get me wrong. 
Um, but I think for them, the mission is quite different. Um, and the mission is creating a, a set of communication, business communication tools um, and not maintaining uh, a bunch of legacy stuff for remote pair programmers that they've inherited. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a shame, but also, again, feels rational to me. Yeah, no, I think the whole thing is completely rational. It's still heartbreaking. Um, I think I think this is just sort of the reality of a lot of a lot of commercial software. I was going to say just commercial software, but but no, this is true even in open source. Um, is that um, people's willingness to maintain code changes over time. Um, and Screen Hero was a victim of a perfectly rational business decision to stop maintaining something that was costing more money than Screen Hero, essentially. What does this mean? It means that, in general, screen sharing or collaborative screen sharing is not something most people want. But it has been heartening to see the very vocal minority of those who really do need this product, like, speak up, right, to remind me that, in fact, there, there was... This is something that, that was very easy to lose sight of at Slack, is that these people do exist. They're very real. Their needs are very real. Um, and there's literally nothing out there for them. Um, no, except Tuple, of course. Um, <laughs> but at the, t- at the time I was there, right, this, this is not something that was, that was super apparent to us. Having been acquired and assimilated into the culture to, you know, absorb, I mean, you, you, you want them to, the, the, the people you acquire to, to absorb the cultural values and, and norms of your company but then then they, they shift over time and you shift with them um and the result was that you know people who worked on screen hero have a different set of a different set of values a different set of concerns and a different set of guiding principles which means yeah now there's there's an underserved market and a market opportunity well i'm thankful for that <laughs> that was a lot more nuance and detail than I think has been put out there in the world. So I really appreciate you being willing to come on and talk about what that was like. Yeah, the, the pleasure is all mine. I'm, I'm glad to share my, uh, my version of the Screen Hero story. Awesome. So do you have anything you'd like to point people to? Uh, Twitter, or some writing, anything like that? Yeah, actually I do. I do. So my current focus now is... Uh, open source maintenance. I'm very interested in questions of, of software maintenance, in particular, um, how this works in the, the open source world. Now that we've had this conversation, these connections become much clearer to me that this wasn't just something out of the blue, um, but but has been a, a sort of running theme in a, a great deal of my professional life. Um, I help run an organization called Maintainerati, um, and I'll send you the, the spelling of that later. Maintainerati's mission is to uh, understand the challenges that open source maintainers face and to create a global forum where we can have a uh, have a conversation about these issues um, on the largest possible scale through local events um, and then ultimately to help find solutions to these sorts of problems. I would invite any of the, the listeners who are involved in open source, or maintaining open source products to, to give us a look. We just had our, our most recent event in Berlin. Uh, we're looking at having an event somewhere on the East Coast of the United States within the next few months. Um, and we'd love to, to have folks uh, who do open source and struggle with that 
to to join us. Excellent. Well, if you send me a link, I'm happy to throw that in the show notes. Excellent. I would love that. Cool. Well, Don, thanks so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate it again. It's, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, as usual, show notes, including that uh, link that Don mentioned earlier, will be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.